All right, welcome back and happy week two, Mizzou fans. I am Gabe DeArmond. This is the 573 Report. The show has been renewed for a second episode um, because I was in charge of renewing it and I decided we would do it again. Uh, We have learned some new tricks over the last seven days. There you go. That's that's the extent of my technical knowledge. I can make an applause sound. So if we uh, if we hit a dead period, I, I might just do that. And um, on the Skype line, we need to get this sponsored at some point. Yeah, no, I, that's, I'm looking for that. We're looking for a sponsor for the Skype line and a sponsor for my studio, also known as my bedroom. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure we need Mitch's bedroom sponsored on this show, but, hey, it, it is what it is. Uh, we, we've already got a few people online and uh, got a few comments rolling in and questions. And and mostly on this show, that's what we're going to do is is let you guys kind of guide the ship and take que- take your questions, give you answers and stuff. But week one. Alabama 38, uh, Missouri 19. Um, I don't know. I've been doing this for like 17 years now. And and Mitch, I would say it's my job when people are too low, I kind of try to pull them up a little bit. And when they're too high, I kind of try to drag them down a little bit. And while I do understand why Missouri fans are overall fairly pleased with week one, because I understand that, I also think we've got to admit that game was over about 19 minutes into it. Yeah, for sure. And and not that that's a huge surprise. I mean, we all expected Alabama to win that game and win that game handily. They, you know, are definitely one of the few best teams in the country this year, maybe the best, just more talented than Mizzou. It, it's interesting, you know, watching that game uh, and, and having, you know, covered the past two seasons, I expected to come out of it having to kind of cheer people up. Like you said, like, be like, you know, guys, uh, this maybe wasn't that bad. You know, we, ex- we should have expected this. And it's kind of been the opposite, um, not from everyone, but a lot of people are, are really encouraged. And there are things to be optimistic about. I mean, you know, there, there was definitely a, a good portion of last season when, when, you know, you don't maybe think that team would have folded and, and lost 56 to six instead of uh, scoring those late touchdowns and and you know there were some things to like with the new offense and all of that but uh yeah I, I think I think um really I, I feel like we haven't learned much of anything you know it's funny we came into the week one saying man we don't know much about this team we're gonna learn so much and then it was kind of exactly what we expected um on a lot of different fronts so yeah well uh, I think this this next coming week and really you know next next few weeks will be uh, a bit more revealing right because the truth is it would be like you know throwing me on a track against Usain Bolt. Well, we're what you're going <laughs> to learn is I'm significantly slower. Um but yeah. <laughs> you probably don't need to watch the race to know that. I mean, you knew that yeah. beforehand. So, uh it, you know, it, this week is certainly going to be uh more telling and, and we're going to talk about Tennessee and all that as time goes on. The the plan is to be here about an hour if questions, if comments, if if things like that necessitate it we'll stick around longer there is no timetable it's the internet um want to point your attention to just a couple of things we'll have uh throughout the show so right now putting across the bottom of the screen we've got all the sec scores from last week just to kind of refresh you on what happened in the league that'll be scrolling for a while we've also got the sec schedule i don't want to run those at the same time obviously but for this coming saturday we'll pop that up throughout the the uh show and and 
just kind of get you guys set up for what's going to happen this weekend. So, I, I, I mean, just boil it down to like a, two or three things. You came out of that game thinking what might be better than you think, what might not be as good as you thought. Um, let's see. I, I was uh, encouraged by the wide receivers, both in, for the most part, how they performed and also how they were used more so. Um, you know, obviously there was a need to upgrade that position during the offseason. That was a high priority. Um, the coaching staff went out and got two graduate transfers. <laughs> there you go. Um, and, uh, and you know, there, there were some jitters there. Obviously, Damon Hazleton had some drops. Um, you know, he hadn't played very much in camp. So, and Eli Drinkwitz basically chalked those up to not playing much in camp. Um, Kiki Chisholm, uh, post-game comments aside, he was a little bit quiet. But, um, you know, maybe maybe Alabama kind of game-planned against him, uh, given some of the hype. But, I mean, Jalen Knox looked a lot better than he did last season. He looks like he's in a better role. Um, you know, Barrett Bannister was steady. Punt return aside, Dom Jacinto made some plays. Um, so I, I liked how that group was used. And I think, you know, I was a little bit worried about Missouri's ability to, you know, just have some skilled, some guys who can make plays aside from the running backs. But I do think, you know, assuming the offensive line holds up, the quarterback plays all right, you have that uh, out of the uh, out of the receivers. The, the biggest concern takeaway has to be the pass rush. Now, I will say Ryan Walters, uh, we talked to him today and he basically said, like, you know, well, guys. It, it, Alabama's got maybe the best offensive line in the country. Like, let's not overreact. Uh, I'm not too worried about it is basically what he said. And to be fair, you know, uh, probably maybe their most impressive pass rusher, Trajan Jeffcoat, has, has only been back with the team for about a month and, and missed almost two years of football. So, uh, you know, he should only get better. But – um, man, I mean, there was that stretch when Mac Jones had, I think it was 10 or 11 straight completions where no one was even touching him. He had all day. And, you know, even though Alabama's receivers are the best in the country, there's not many, many teams in this league who you can let the receivers run around for five, six, seven seconds and expect to cover them. So, I, I mean, that probably uh, that needs to get better. But as Ryan Walter said, no, no reason to totally hit the panic button there yet. Well, and that, that kind of tied into what was better than I thought it would be, which was Missouri's defensive backfield. I mean, mm -hmm. Jarvis Ware went down on second series of the game, I think, because Alabama had the three. Yeah, nine, I think Ware first got quarter, hurt. though. I mean, it was within the first five minutes, I think. Yeah, it got hurt on that next drive. So basically, 80, 75, 80% of the snaps were true freshman in Straw and redshirt freshman Ish Burdine at cornerback. And look, they gave up some plays, but I mean, those guys are going to make plays. Uh, safety was, I, I'll be honest, I've, I've written it myself. I've tried to tell people Josh Bledsoe and Tyree Gillespie are this great safety duo, but I always kind of thought I'm just writing that because people tell me that. And, and I don't yeah. know if I've seen it or believed it. Tyree Gillespie looked like a guy that could play for Alabama in that game. I mean, he looked like an yeah. NFL player. You throw Martez Manuel in as the third safety, Nick Bolton. So, I agree. Defensive line, I don't know. Back seven, I'm kind of sold on from that game. I, I was pretty impressed. Offensively, I, I said this probably six times Saturday. I wish Larry Roundtree played on better teams because he is just a uh, – He's a dude that I love to watch run and have since the day he got here. He runs so hard. He's not the fastest guy. He's not the biggest guy, but he's big enough and he's fast enough. And, and he always made yardage. You know, it, I came out of that thinking I can see what Eli Drinkwitz wants to do on offense and I like it, but it's not going to work against this team. 
I mean, Jalen Knox, mm-hmm. jet sweeps, speed options. I, I like it all. I like the ideas. I like the creativity. I like the motion, all that. Not against that defense. But it, it, to be fair, I'm not nitpicking play calling because I don't know what you call that does necessarily work consistently. But Missouri was not going to beat them to the edge. Right. Yeah. No, that was apparent during the first quarter. And, and you know, and, and I think an adjustment that they sort of made as the game went on was a little bit more, you know, north south inside power type running action, um, less trying to get to the edge and and a little bit more, you know, downfield passing. So, yeah, I, I agree. But I think, yeah, like you said, you know, it might just be a case of, you know, this is how we're going to play. Even if it's not the best way to beat Alabama, we have had so few reps that we need to just play how we're going to play. Um, yeah. And to, to your point on the back seven, man, like I, Martez Manuel really impressed me you know i i i knew he had to have been decent because he he played in every game last season i think he was the only true freshman to do that but to come out and play i think it was every defensive snapper was close um so he to come out and do that you know against alabama three and a half tackles for loss that that obviously bodes well uh moving forward so uh let's let's jump into a couple of the questions and comments i'm I'm not going to take these in order guys because some of the tennessee stuff we want to save for later uh but i i'm just going to kind of kind of pop some of these up and and we did talk about this a little bit um any injuries to report and look the truth is we don't really know for sure right now but Jarvis Ware was hurt in the game. It was a knee. He got an MRI Sunday, and he is, you know, as I forget if it was Dan Patrick or Keith Olbermann or whoever used to say, he's day-to-day, but aren't we all? You know, especially now. In 2020, we are literally all day-to-day. So (laughs) Drinkwood sounded like he hoped he could play on Saturday, but I don't think we really have any idea. Yeah, not really. I will say, you know, it was apparent kind of watching the game. I, You could tell they didn't think it was a super serious knee injury because he came out of the tent and, and got on the bike and biked for a little bit like he was taught, thinking about trying to, to, you know, warm it back up and go back in the game. Obviously didn't do that. Um, you know, hard to say, obviously, without, you know, getting more information than we have if he can play, come back in a week, but at least it uh, doesn't look like a long term thing. Yeah. And um, other than that. I think everybody's okay. I mean, some people were worried that Rake Straw was hurt. He was fine. The broadcast said at one point that Nick Bolton went to the the injury tent, but he was fine post game. So yeah, I mean, no, I yeah, he talked. I I don't know without you know we 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 usually get to uh, get to watch a little bit of a Tuesday practice during the week and get a sense for who's out there. Obviously, without doing that, there could be someone who's totally off our radar who who ended up hurt out of that game, who we missed, but no one, no other in-game injuries that I saw of people who didn't return. All right, so David wants to know, uh, I saw a lot of positives out of Sean Robinson. He held the ball too long, inexcusable sacks taken, but he put the ball in about five or six tight windows for first down. So let's just start here. What you expected, Sean Robinson was better or worse than that on Saturday night? Um, I, well, I'll say this. He was actually very similar to how he was billed, but I think he was probably a little bit more, uh, a little bit more, sorry, a little bit better than expected. Um, he, he was kind of billed as a, a, a solid athlete with a good arm who's inconsistent. And that, that was sort of, you know, what, what I got out of it. inconsistent, just in kind of some of the decision-making especially, but I mean, he, you know, especially after watching how he played down the stretch, I think you can definitely attribute some of the early struggles to just not having played football in almost two full years. Um, and, and you know, he, he had 
a few misreads on the read option. He, like like David said, you know, he uh, he held on to the ball too long, and he was the first to admit that after the game. He said, you know, I got to throw some of those balls away. The the pitch to Jalen Knox was just, you know, trying to make a play when the team was down, and, and that's something that, you know, you would hope the type of mistake that isn't replicated. But, I mean, I, I thought, you know, he made some nice throws that deep out to Jalen – or, to, sorry, to uh, Damon Hazleton in the red zone. I think it was a third and ten. That was a, a very good throw. He hung in there and made a couple throws while he was getting hit. I, I was pretty impressed. I mean, I certainly, uh, you know, and this is kind of stealing your words. I know you've written this a few times throughout the week. I certainly don't think he did anything to lose the starting job. You know, clearly he came into the game as the starter, and, and I thought he was the better quarterback on Saturday. Yeah, and I didn't realize until Monday when I really started kind of looking at things, he had one incomplete pass in the second half, and it was a Daniel Parker dropped I think it would have been a touchdown. I mean, you oh, never know. It, yeah, it def- I almost. I think it almost certainly would have. It, I mean, Dan Parker's like not it. the there fastest a, guy, but he would have walked in, I think. Yeah, there was a guy that, that could theoretically have had an angle, but um, probably a touchdown pass. But it certainly should have been caught, even if it wasn't a touchdown. Mm-hmm. He was a better passer than I thought. I, I don't want to say he wasn't as good a runner as I thought because I just don't know that that you can judge him against that. I was actually talking to somebody a couple days ago who, who made a good comparison. Here's what we know. He's not Brad Smith as a runner because in 2002, when Mitchell was like four or something like that, but uh, Brad Smith as a redshirt freshman played Oklahoma and Brad ran the ball on Oklahoma. Like his speed translated. He had a couple hundred yards rushing in that game and it was obvious okay he can run the football on the elite teams in the country Sean Robinson it it doesn't quite translate against Alabama now I think he's going to run the ball well this year uh but it didn't work there that that also probably has a little bit to do with his offensive line but um I do need to real quick uh, acknowledge the uh, 573 report is brought to you by 573 T's. That is a local company here in Columbia, 573T's.com. Check them out. There's a, uh, they've got a 10% discount for Power Mizzou members, which you can actually access through the story on our website right now. This video, you're, you're probably watching live on YouTube, maybe through a message board link, whatever. But if you go to the story on our front page, there is a link to the 10% discount from 573Ts at 573Ts.com. Uh, they are... Uh, have maybe some power Mizzou gear on the way, which we will uh, certainly uh, proudly wear at some point on the show this week. But we've been talking quarterbacks. And so what we want to do at this point, keep the comments rolling in, keep the questions rolling in, and we're going to catch up on those in about 10 minutes. But right now we actually did have a chance to talk to Sean Robinson on Zoom yesterday afternoon. So we want to play that for you guys. And then we'll be back taking comments, questions till whenever they run out. Hey Sean, um, in in talking with the uh, with Eli, he's looks like he's going to to continue to play both you and and Connor. How does that kind of you know approach or change your approach, if at all, um, knowing that there's going to be split reps as as you move forward? Uh, it doesn't change my approach at all. You got to prepare to play, and like he said, he's going to play both of us. So uh, just whenever that time comes, just be ready for the opportunity. Colin O'Brien, you're up next. Sean, when you were on scout team last year, did your responsibilities, other than simulating the opposing quarterback, did, did you also do any game prep for Tennessee? And has any of that carried over? Or, or is this all kind of new for you this year, preparing for, preparing for Tennessee? 
game prep for Tennessee as far as like like game prep for their defense while I'm going against yeah last you know, year is that just completely not not on your responsibilities oh yeah it's completely different I mean I tried to learn you know the game plan from last year but I didn't I was strictly doing scout team Peter Moss from The Athletic, go ahead. Yeah, hi, Sean. I was just uh, wondering what were kind of watching film, some of the bigger takeaways you had from your performance that maybe you didn't, I guess, know right after the game before you had a chance to analyze. Okay, can you say that one more time? Just like what were your biggest takeaways from the game after you had a chance to watch film? Oh, um, just executing better. Uh, it's it comes down to the little details, especially when you play teams that are as good as Alabama, it comes down to uh, just doing the little things right. And if you don't do little things right, that's what gets you beat. So just cleaning up some things. Dave Matter, Post-Dispatch, go ahead. Hey, Sean, the, the preseason competition you had, how, how did that make you better? How did you benefit from that that's paying off now? Yeah, well, you're talking about the QB? Yeah, competition? yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, Iron sharpens iron, and uh, having somebody just pressing on your heels all the time is always going to keep you sharp and keep you trying to get better. So it helped me a lot. Jack Sobel, man here. Go ahead. Sean, both you and Coach Drinkwitz have discussed uh, the need to execute better. Uh, what specifically uh, on offense do you think needs to improve? I mean, the main thing is execution. Like, I can just keep harping that, but that's really like the specific thing, just executing the play fully, getting the reads right, getting the blocks, all that stuff, just executing. Mitch, 40, power, Mizzou, you're up. Sean, one of the things that we saw, obviously, about this offense is that you all use the receivers in the running game, both in traditional ways with, with handoffs and tosses, but also kind of extensions of the running game with getting the ball out into the flat really quickly and stuff like that. I'm curious, what can that do for an offense to kind of, you know, have those weapons that, that you can also incorporate into the running game along with running? Yeah, just uh, getting easy throws and just getting our guys in space and just letting them do what they do best with the ball in their hands. It's kind of what we like to do. Andy Kimball, uh, Missouri, go ahead. Hi, Sean. Um, I talked to Austin Carter Samuels, who worked with you a lot last year, and he said that, like, the main goal for you guys was working on, I guess, your, like, personal improvement. Um, like, what things kind of specifically did you really try to improve over the last year when you were kind of away on scout team? <laughs> just, <My QB. laughs> just improving as, like, an individual, like, a human being, just, like, growing in all aspects of life. Really, that was just, like, the main focus of my off year, and obviously getting better as a quarterback, but just like, you know, taking a year to get right and get good. Yeah, I guess having, or, okay, I guess also having somebody in Austin who went through that as a college player, how did that kind of help you get through that year? It helped a lot because, because he knew exactly what I was going through. Like he was in the, like a very similar position that I was in. So just having his guidance and wisdom helped a, a lot. Eric Long Tribune. It helped more than I can explain. It helped so much. Kind of piggybacking off of that, Sean, correct me if I'm wrong with any of this, but you played it. You went to three different high schools in Texas. Then it was Gary Patterson at TCU. Then you learned under Derek Dooley Barry Odom last year, and now the Eli Drinkwitz offense. So six, year, six offenses in eight years, right? 
Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> is that does that give you an advantage to hop from system to system to system, or is that just uh, a diff as difficult as that seems? Um, I mean, you can look at it both ways. It's it's difficult, but like I, I'd say it could give someone an advantage just having like so many different viewpoints from different people and learning and taking pieces. It's been really cool just to learn so much different things from different individuals. So it's really, really cool. Uh, next up is Soish Tarada, Kansas City Star. Go ahead. Hey, Shad, I was just wondering, how, how is it playing in this drink offense where he, he's not just aggressive with the play calls and everything, but he's also aggressive going up for it on fourth downs and all that? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you kind of take on his attitude, like the, the style, the way that he coaches and the way he calls plays. Obviously, I'm still learning it, just the first game, but it's, it's been interesting so far. Next up is Adam Cole, Missourian. Hey, Sean, um, kind of a two-part question, um, but in the first place, uh, Jalen Knox's performance on Saturday, what like stood out to you the most about his performance? He's explosive <laughs> with the ball in his hands. So get, we got to give him the ball. <laughs> and then kind of the second part of that, I think Mitchell kind of asked a little bit about it, but that position he plays, that slot role, how, just like how vital – is that in your guys' passing attack and in the offense? Um, it's, it's vital. Um, we base out of 11 personnel, so he is like our slot guy. So he's moving and motioning. So he plays a big key in our offense. Colin O'Brien, Jeff City. Hey, Sean. Eli told us uh, today that he noticed an immediate improvement in in Connor's play from that first drive he had in the second quarter to finishing the game with that rushing touchdown. I was just curious, did you notice him getting more comfortable using his legs throughout fall camp, more confident, or as he was working his way back, or, or was that just kind of something that, that happened against Alabama? Hmm. I guess you could say that now that I think about it. Yeah, he's just been getting better and better. <laughs> okay, next up is Dave Matters, singles post-dispatch. Hey, Sean, uh you know, as this offense kind of still comes together, how, how valuable is a guy like Larry, who's been an established thousand-yard rusher in this league? What does he mean to this offense? He means a lot. Uh, it, it, in football in general, you got to be able to run the ball. And just having a guy who can run the ball and get us positive yards on every play, uh, that's very important, especially in the SEC. Jack Sobel from the Man Eater. John, what's up? Damon Hazleton and Kiki Chisholm coming in as grad transfers. How's your connection with them been so far? Yeah, it's been really good. It's it's all a work in progress, but um, I'm excited about it. Excited about those two. Eric Blong, go ahead. Hey, Sean, if I'm also correct, uh, both of your parents have been coaches for a long time. Uh, your mom coaches girls basketball, your dad's a football coach. Uh, what was it like being a coach's kid, and like how did that shape your view as an athlete? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's been interesting. They're like, they're, I feel like they coach me more than parent me. So, uh, I mean, it just structured me and just gave me values. I feel like that helped me become the person I am today. And it helped me in the sports realm of things, dealing with coaches and stuff. Cause I've already, I have parents for coaches. So it's been really cool. Bennett Durando, close dispatch. 
Sean, sorry, it sounds like I'm just going down the list here with, with asking about different receivers. But, um, but Dom DeSinto, I mean, he sort of stood out in the second half on Saturday. I know uh, how well have you gotten to know him in your year plus here? And are there any sort of things about him or stories with him that stand out? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's my dog. Uh, he's a good person, really good guy. Obviously, he can play on the field and do his thing. He's just a really good guy. If you ever get to meet him, he's he's a good guy. That's what stands out right away about him. So, Ichi Chirata, Kansas City Star. Sean, you just talked about the rush running game. You got to establish that in football. But how, how do your legs factor into that and just, you know, have another weapon that, that the offense can use? Yeah, I think um, my legs can be used in the run game for sure. Um, yeah, I think that's definitely a component in our offense. Andy Kimball. Hey, Sean. Um, I guess going back to last year, um, how I know you played a lot in high school and then started as a freshman at TCU. How beneficial was it to kind of have like the last year to kind of like take a break and catch your breath, I guess? It was very beneficial. Uh, I got to learn a lot of things uh, in football and just – kind of try to elevate my game. So it was a really beneficial year. And looks like we'll finish up with Jack Sobel. Go ahead. John, the touchdown to Beatty, uh, he had the little play action in the, in the wheel route. Uh, was that was the wheel the, the goal of the player? Is that further down your progressions? Uh, that was the, the main point of the play, yeah. Okay. There we go. All right, so Sean Robinson, uh, look, man, happy guy. Um, uh, he smiled a lot. Uh, I'll say that for him. Uh, that's actually well. I guess you guys got to talk to him after the game Saturday, Mitch, right? But that's the first time that that I've talked to him. That's the first time a lot of us have have talked to him this year. Yeah, I talked to him uh, in spring practice when he first showed up uh, after he transferred from TCU, so a year and a half ago. Oh yeah, back um, when we were allowed but, to uh, talk to quarterbacks. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, other than that, yeah, we talked. I mean, and after the game, obviously, it was pretty brief. So, uh, you know, that's that's a little more expansive, still a little different being over Zoom. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of weird to, to be at a time where uh, we don't know our starting the starting quarterback super well, but getting to know him better. Yeah, so, uh, again, this is mostly now going to be focused on kind of taking your guys' comments, questions, and uh, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have a quarterback, I've – actually said that in the last week uh but this seems different they're both good thoughts on playing too look I think and I don't mean this to disrespect Connor Bazelak like everything I've said this week I think I've had to say I'm not saying Connor Bazelak isn't good and can't play but I think it's pretty obvious who the starter is before the last drive Sean Robinson had 56 snaps and Connor Bazelak had five that tells you who the starter on this team is to me Connor Bazelak is going to play a couple series every game for one very obvious reason. If your quarterback gets COVID or has to quarantine, you better have a guy who's been on the field going in to start that next game. I think if that aspect was removed from this, I think Sean Robinson takes every snap. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I tend to agree. Um, I, I definitely think, you know, despite not listing a, a starter and saying he's going to rotate quarterbacks. I mean, Sean Robinson is the starter and he's going to play the majority of snaps. Um, I, I don't know. It's hard. I, I don't know if I'd 
can say definitively, like if there wasn't COVID, maybe maybe he still gives Connor Basilak a series every now and again. Because you know, I, I mean, you know, it, it's smart probably to to give your backup some game reps, especially when you know there wasn't really a, a much of an off season. But yes, I think that for the most part, you know, yes, the Connor Basilak is going to get you know one playing series in the second quarter, you know, maybe two, and then play mop up time, and and that's about it. Unless Sean Robinson's play vastly deteriorates, or he gets injured, or uh, test positive. I actually right, I actually said something that, which hadn't occurred to me uh, until actually I said it. That this is what I do. Like I do these different shows and radio appearances, <laughs> and I just kind of make things up as I go along. But it, it, it hadn't yeah. occurred to me. But do you think? I almost think Drinkwitz is doing, and not intentionally, but I almost think it's doing Sean Robinson a little bit of a disservice the way the depth chart is listed. As, you know, because look, it was clear week one, he wasn't going to tell us who the starting quarterback was beforehand. So we knew there was going to be an or, but there's still an <laughs> or, and I think there will be an or all season long. And I think it feeds into a little bit fans saying hey what about this other guy let's we need to see the backup more we need to see the other guy more and again it's not that Bazelak was bad I just think Robinson pretty clearly is the number one and I understood the reason for it week one but I'm not sure I understand the reason to continue to do it going forward and and I kind of think maybe it's almost a disservice to your number one guy if he really is your number one guy yeah, I mean, I think that's a that's a valid argument to make for sure. You know, Robinson, I mean, he said the right things, you know, when asked, obviously, you saw there, you know, does, does this impact his preparation? He said, you know, no, not at all. It's still the same. You'd expect him to say that. But um, by yes, by cracking the window for for, you know, Basilak to to play to be listed as a co-starter, you are inviting you know, every time he has a bad series fans to then say, well, what about the other guy? This guy we haven't seen screw up as much. You know, let's let's try to throw him out there now. Do, you know, does Sean Robinson hear that i don't know i mean a lot of you know despite what they might say a lot of college kids do you know hear some of the the fan noise and social media a, a stuff lot of college maybe kids he doesn't do search their not, name on twitter from the locker room after the game yes <laughs> I, I i've had too many too many random three-hour tweets favorited by the person they were about to, to suggest otherwise yes but uh yeah i don't know well yeah it, it's i definitely think that's a valid argument that that, that could be the case okay so uh just jumping around here in the comments and you said something about what Sean Robinson said. So I want to go to this one and it's not about what I'm drinking. Obviously water. That's what I drink all the time. Uh, any word <laughs> on more follow-up with Chisholm heard he was unhappy after the game and I was not. So a post game, I was on Eli Drinkwitz's zoom call. I jumped off, uploaded that and immediately went to the post game show. Mitch stayed on zoom to talk to the players. So I'm just going to kind of let you explain what the quote was, what what the situation was, and then what led to Eli Drinkwitz obviously expressing his unhappiness with, uh, I, I'll just say us, because uh, look, it's just the media in general. Nobody needs to, to be singled out uh, it, because frankly, I think the question was fine. Yeah. So uh, yeah, as Gabe said, uh, Eli Drinkwitz had his press conference and then, uh, and then we got a zoom uh little zoom press conference with I think it was like six different players had each for like between like one and four minutes um, real quick. Um, and Kiki Chisholm was on there. He, uh, he had two catches on two targets during the game. 
I don't believe he was targeted during the first half. And uh, he was he was a little kind of you could tell he was a little bit irritated. Um, I mean, we've talked to him before. He's a he's a he's a very good quote. Um, he was a little bit short. And uh, I think towards the end, basically, he was just asked, um, you know, you you weren't targeted as often at the beginning of the game, got some more looks your way towards the latter half. Is there anything you did differently to start giving yourself those opportunities? Um, not necessarily, you know, in my mind, you know, why weren't you targeted more? And uh, he basically said, you know, I, I thought I did everything I needed to do to get the ball, but I can't throw it to myself. That's a paraphrase, not a direct quote, but he did say, I can't throw the ball to myself. And so it, uh, it would be cool then, if he did, though. Yeah, as Sean Robinson did it, right. we should point out Not Sean Robinson did, but complete, he did, do it. did complete yeah. a pass to himself and then threw it again, which you cannot do. But yes, um, but yeah, so uh, that quote, um, you know, not surprisingly, it you know made its way back to the head coach. I'm sure he was not thrilled to hear that, um, especially from a, a guy who's you know supposedly one of the leaders on the team. And and then uh, during his weekly press conference on Tuesday, Drakewitz you know took issue with it to us and said that you know he's the play caller, he should be asked those questions, and uh, that's where we are now. Yeah, which is again like, look, this is fine. The, the coach can get mad at us if he wants, and, and that's cool. And, again, not specifically us, us a general media term. That's fine. He can show displeasure, and we can, you know, it, it's going to happen. It happens everywhere. It particularly happens when uh, teams lose games. Uh, Mitchell, just want to pop up a comment from your number one fan there. Bob Douglas says hello uh, this week. Mitchell is the man. I- I don't know who you are, Bob Douglas, but I guess thank you. you yeah. Apparently, we're pining for my presence on the, the game shows on Saturday. If for many hours, Bob Douglas wanted Mitchell to be on the show. Mitch, if you want to give him your Venmo, you never know, man. You might uh, <laughs> might make some cash. So I want to want to jump into one more that – look, it interests me. I don't know if it interests you guys, but I'm, I'm going to put one more up, and then we're going to transition more into uh, – into Tennessee stuff. And Ron is asking after watching the way you guys do interviews, how are you able to do stories and provide coverage that's different from everyone else? And so like you guys saw that Sean Robinson interview, I mean, that is literally the extent of our exposure to Sean Robinson between last Saturday night and next Saturday at three o'clock or whenever the game is, that's it. Everybody gets a question. There is time. I, I mean, nobody asked more than two. You know, I mean, we had Ryan Walters today. I think each of us got in two questions. A couple other guys got in two, and and some people got in one. That's that's all you're going to get. So there's not a lot of, like, in-depth feature stories with the way things are set up uh, uh, right now. And the way I'm trying to do things that, that other people aren't doing on the beat is what you guys are watching now. Like that's a big part of the reason we're doing it is because nobody else does this. And because unique content, unique interviews are very difficult. I mean, Mitch, I know you've had a couple, you, you had a story on Kobe Whiteside of where you're talking to people that, that are obviously not involved with Mizzou football, but it takes that because Look, we don't think we're going to talk to position coaches all year long. I, I mean, we get Ryan Walters and the special teams coordinator, Eric Link, every Wednesday afternoon. So it's very difficult to do a, you know, a, a story on the a defensive end without talking to Brick Haley about him, you know, or without talking to that kid, which we may not get to do. And I don't want any of this taken as complaints about the way they're doing things, whatever. A, they can do it however they want to. B, 
it's a worldwide pandemic and everybody's kind of different and that's how it is. Uh, but it's kind of forced everybody to do things differently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it is. Yeah. It's challenging for sure to try to come up with unique content because you don't even, even the post game stuff. Yeah. Everything's over zoom. There used to be a time where, you know, you could kind of sneak over and if you had a question for one person that you thought maybe someone else wouldn't have noticed, you can get them, get it in before or after everyone else is done with that kid. So, um, there, there's no more really of that. And, um, you know, occasionally uh, the the sports information people have been good enough to, to get me a couple one on one interviews, which is great. But aside from that, yeah, there's not going to be a lot of like feature type stuff. So, um, you know, one thing I'll, I'll be trying to do at times and I'll have a story that kind of in this vein tomorrow is, you know, doing more of a kind of analytical breakdown type pieces. Uh, you know, I, we, we're watching a new offense, obviously, do, using some some sort of, a you know, more analytic services. We have pro football focus and there's a couple other sites that to. to to go a little bit more in depth on that. Um, and then, yeah, we're bringing you Gabe's personality all day on Saturday. So no other site has that. That's I mean, easily worth your $10 a month. I think you forgot. <laughs> I, I think you forgot winning personality in there. I, yeah. I think was what you meant to say. Um, but it, that was the advantage of, of a lot of times, both of us being at games was uh, mm-hmm. when, when we're in the post game press conference, there would be a lot of times where it's like, all right, look, there's Roundtree and, I don't know, a receiver on last year's team. I've forgotten who all the receivers on last year's teams were, but Yasir Durant. So you go talk to those guys. I'm just going to sit over here and I'm going to wait till Kelly Bryant comes in the room and I'm going to be the first guy to go talk to Kelly Bryant. So I'm going to get maybe a quote out of him that everybody else doesn't have because that's your whole goal. And what we do is to get something that everybody else doesn't have. And it's why I'm not going to games this year because I can do computer interviews where everybody has the same stuff from my house. So, uh, so that's why we're doing what we're doing. And it's only going to work if you guys are here every week, every Wednesday, every Saturday, if you're participating, your comments, your questions, your phone calls, post game, uh, you know, I'm already dreading the 8 PM LSU kickoff where we are doing post game at two 15 in the morning, but whatever, we're be you better here. stock up on your Boulevard beard of choice for that week. No question. Yeah. I mean, it better be a light one that week. Cause uh, I mean, I'm going to wake up at six 30 the next morning, regardless, because that's when I wake up. So, um, but it, wanna, it, it's very reliant on you guys being here and participating. It's very reliant on our sponsors, five, seven, three T's check them out at five, seven, three T's dot com again 10 percent discount uh for power mizzou subscribers on your first order you go through the link on our site it's uh it's in the story that is the top story on the site right now go to the front page not the message board go to the front page where the 573 report is streaming live right now scroll down to the bottom there and uh you can can click on that discount from 573Ts. Thank them for sponsorship of this one. And now we're going to really jump into your guys' questions and comments. A lot of things about Tennessee week. Uh, obviously, you guys are – look, last week happened. Nobody really wants to, to spend the entire week talking about it, so you're looking forward to next Saturday. What would a win on Saturday, Bradley asked, for, mean for Drinkwitz and this season as a whole? I this is an upside week to me, right? Um, this is a week where if they do go pull this off, all of a sudden you look at the rest of the season a little bit differently. Um, they're 12-point underdogs. There's a reason they're 12-point underdogs. They're supposed to lose. They should lose. But And if they do, it's no big deal, as long as it's not 28-3 at halftime. But if they pull this off, all of a sudden you start looking at the rest of the year and going, hey, 
you know, I can see one here and one there. But the mistake we always make is thinking one week affects the other. I, I heard it put really well, um, you know, going into the Monday Night Football game. Everybody was judging the Chiefs and the Ravens based on how they'd played the first two weeks. When what you needed to look at was the Ravens blitz 80% of the time and Patrick Mahomes is going to murder the blitz. It's not about what the Ravens did to the Browns and the Chiefs did against the Chargers. It's about how the Ravens and the Chiefs match up. Very similar. Like just because you might match up well with Tennessee and beat Tennessee, maybe with, say, I don't know, South Carolina, which isn't maybe as good as Tennessee, but they just match up with you better. So that's one of the mistakes we make so much. And every week we make a referendum on what's going to happen the rest of the year. Yeah. And especially this year, that's going to be a, you know, a challenge just because there's so many unknowns. I mean, you know, even if Missouri does lose this week, which obviously they're favored to do that, that shouldn't be yeah a, a big referendum on this season being a failure, um, stuff like that. You know, I've seen some posts like this is the most important game for Missouri since I think it's like, well, it's not really because if they lose, what's the harm? You know, that, that there's no there's no bowl standings this season. They're not going to go to the SEC title game unless something just insane happens. But anyway, um, I, I will say, I, you know, the question would be, what would a win mean? I mean, a win would obviously be just huge for momentum and, you know, establishing kind of, you know, goodwill with, with the with the fan base and, and you know, building kind of some energy around the, the Missouri program for recruiting. I mean, you know, the, I think that I still think the best thing you can do as a coach is win early because people love to cling to their first impressions. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if they like you early, they'll wait. It's a lot harder for them to, you know, they'll, it'll, it'll be harder to be proven wrong versus uh, coming around to someone who maybe starts slow. So yeah, I mean, it, it would certainly be big to, uh, to, you know, get an upset this early in Eli Drinkwitz's tenure, but I don't think, uh, obviously, you know, a loss is, is it, any sort of a devastating thing. It, it brings up, and I wrote about this a little bit in the mailbag, um, you know, like you said, winning early is so big. The second game of Barry Odom's career, they had George on the ropes. I mean, Drew Locke mm-hmm. looked like a superstar. So, by the way, did Jacob Eason. I mean, I remember telling – I was talking to Anthony Dasher from our Georgia side at halftime, and I said, dude, we're looking at the future of the SEC East here because these kids are – unbelievable neither one of them ever really became that obviously in college but um i I mean missouri had the lead uh by i I guess it was because they lost that game i think by a point so i think they had a 27 21 lead and george's facing fourth and goal from the 20 and basically there was some miscommunication somebody ran the wrong defense and I want to say it was McCole Hardman that got loose for the game-winning touchdown. I think it was Isaiah McKenzie. Isaiah McKenzie, you're right. You're right. I knew it was a small Georgia receiver who got drafted into the NFL. One of those two is still there. The other one, I don't know, is he? I think Isaiah McKenzie's still there, believe it or not, even though he was a terrible, terrible Bronco. (laughs) But I think he still plays for the Bills. But uh, point, point being, I'm getting derailed on this, but point being, if Missouri hangs on to that lead and beats Georgia in Barry Odom's second game, how much does it change about how his tenure goes? I, I don't know. Maybe it changes nothing. Maybe he still gets fired, all that. But what you're saying is is good. And beating Tennessee this weekend, it's not quite the equivalent of what beating that Georgia team would have been, but it's a very good, solid win, no question about it. So it, it would be a big deal for Drinkwitz, for this team, for this fan base, everything like that, and kind of feeding into that. Colby wants to know if they pull off an upset, is 500 a real possibility? I mean, it it's one. I, I think we both picked them three and seven. So if they win this one, 
we would theoretically have them four and six. But does this one mean you think they're going to win another one? I Again, it's so much about matchups and how are they playing? I mean, like last year, there were a couple games in the second half of the season that I certainly would have picked Missouri to win. But by the time they played those games, I would not have picked Missouri to beat the Hickman JV. So I picked them to lose that game, <laughs> despite having picked yeah. them to win it two months ago. I, it, it makes 500 possible, um, but yeah. but I don't know if you'd say likely. So, Gabe, are you saying that Arkansas was worse than the Hickman JV? <laughs> um, I mean, I'm saying it would have been a game. You know, I, there's a, <laughs> I, I can't definitively say they were worse, but I can definitely not definitively say they were better. Yeah. No, I mean, to the question, does does winning this game mean they will go 500? No. Does it make it a realistic possibility? Of course. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, you'll be one and one, you'll be 500. And, and yeah, we both picked him to go three and seven with a loss in this game. So you'd be one closer. Yeah. So uh, moving on, Alex, uh, do you think Drinkwitz will be more, less or similarly aggressive with play calling this Saturday? I think more. Um, and, and Mitch, you brought it up in the postgame press conference. There was what would you say? Really only one downfield shot. I mean, Connor Bazelak tried uh, when Sean Robinson was in. Yes. Actually, I went back and looked, uh, Sean Robinson only attempted one pass that traveled more than 12 yards in the air. And that was to, uh, to Tyler Beatty, the touchdown. Right. Um, he only attempted even three that, total passes, including that one. Sorry, go ahead. Even the one to Beatty. I mean, that's not a deep shot. Yeah. It went 20 ish yards in the air, but that's not a yeah. deep ball. Right. So, and then, uh, but yeah, it, only three, I think went more than, than 10 yards total. Basilac threw a little bit, a, a couple more downfield again, no like, you know, vertical deep shot necessarily, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think, uh, I think partially that was a concern about the offensive line. You weren't sure how they were going to hold up and you didn't want to get a quarterback killed in the first game. But also I think, yeah, you know, in, in a game where maybe you, uh, yeah, I think, I think, you know, I think they'd be more likely to take a couple more of those shots. And he said after the game, like, yeah, that was on me. Maybe I should have called a couple more of those. Um, so I, I would expect to see at least one or two more uh, downfield shots and, there. And obviously being aggressive is about more than just, are you throwing the ball deep? I mean, it's, what are you doing on yeah. fourth down? Um, you know, what are you doing in second and one? Are you just picking up the first down? Are you taking a shot? Um, while he said th they might be more aggressive, also in a way – he admitted they should have been a little more conservative and handed the ball to Larry Roundtree a lot more because that was actually the one thing that pretty much worked the whole game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes, I think, you know, but I, that the handing the ball to Larry Roundtree is taking the place of other plays that were either literal runs or essentially runs, you know, the passes out to the flat and, and quick screen, stuff like that. So I, I don't know if that's, you know, far less aggressive. I, I mainly yeah brought up the deep ball thing because I do think like that's the one area where you can definitively say, I expect that to change the rest. I don't know yet, just because we don't, you know, have a great uh, knowledge base with this system yet. Right. Right. Okay. Uh, scrolling through uh, and look, you may know more about this than I do. I don't really know it yet, to be honest. Uh, some Tennessee players you need to watch for. I mean, I can tell you that Jared Guarantano is in his 23rd year as the Tennessee quarterback. I believe he started his first game in, uh, I think he took over for T Martin under Phil Fulmer back right. in like 1999. Mm -hmm. He is still there. Um, <laughs> You know, they, they've got a new receiving core. They had, and his name slipped in my mind right now. They had a, had a defensive end who had two and a half sacks last week and, and played. Yeah, I think he was like DeAndre Johnson. His Correct. last name was definitely That's Johnson. DeAndre Johnson, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, Tra- honestly, Tennessee's best player is probably their left tackle, Trey Smith. Um, yeah, and they got a offensive lineman just ruled eligible like half an hour ago. Oh, was that actually, Kate Mays? Kate he Mays finally Georgia transfer. Okay. Um, I don't know. I assume he'll be able to play right away. I mean, he's probably been practicing. So, uh, yeah, the, their offensive line actually should be solid. Um, Gorantano is pretty hit and miss, and they have the defensive end who had, I think it was three and a half sacks. And other than that, I, I don't yet know a lot about them. That's what I'm getting to. Tomorrow's my day. I write my previews. Right. So we'll Mo- Monday and Tuesday, uh, honestly, are kind of spent wrapping up last week, doing interviews from Missouri. Wednesday is kind of getting ready for this and all that. And and then Thursday and Friday, Mitch dives in a little bit more to find out about the other team. I frankly never pay attention to the other team. I mean, <laughs> you know, like I knew Jalen Waddle last week, but I, I actually take pride in like basketball games showing up and going, yeah, I don't know anybody on the other team, you know? <laughs> so uh, I, I frequently do that. Um, all right, let's see. Let's keep on scrolling through. And this has nothing to do with anything. I just enjoy the, uh, comment mitch can you actually see the comments or not uh i can't see which okay. ones you're i can well, see them but i don't know which one you're pulling up okay right the now. one i'm pulling up is that this show is a before and after view of moderating the tiger's lair for 20 oh, years yeah. so yeah <laughs> yeah mitch will, mitch will have the beard and no hair 20 actually i don't know man you got good genes i think you get a chance to keep your hair uh certainly longer yeah. than i did yeah so okay um we're trying to catch up okay dominic jacinto comes alive Dooley couldn't find a way to get him the ball. Another failure under Odom and Jacinto showed talent with Locke as QB. I mean, but Odom was the coach and Dooley was the coordinator when he was good as a, as a true freshman. So it's not necessarily their fault. Look, I, I was actually amazed when I, I wrote something in my Monday thoughts on uh, Dominic. I was amazed. I looked back. PFF college had him for two drops last year. I honestly could have sworn it was three times that. I mean, it seemed like he just had trouble catching the ball last year. There, there's no other way to put it. He had trouble holding on, yeah. and, and therefore his his playing time suffered. But he, I mean, he made some plays. He had a, a crossing route that went for twenty something on that last drive, and and he made some plays in that game. And and him and Jalen Knox, like you said, were guys that you kind of looked at and said, "Hey, maybe there's a little bit of something here." Yeah, he's still fast. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, I think the biggest thing last year was, I mean, the whole passing game just totally broke down. Um, you know, Dom Jacinto is a guy who, you know, he's not going to win a lot of contested catches. He's like four foot seven. So he's got to, you know, he's got to get it. open. I think he's as tall as I am. Okay, well, he seems short to me, <laughs> but he's he's a guy who's going to have to, you know, he's going to have to get some separation and then get hit in stride. And Missouri wasn't doing a whole lot of that last season, you know. Um, I mean, they they weren't completing a lot of passes to begin with, and the ones they were were to Barrett Bannister because he could, you know, get open three yards downfield and hang on to the ball. And uh, Bannister kind of took some of Jacinto's playing time. Like you said, he did struggle. He was also banged up last season, but yeah, I mean, it's certainly good to see him getting back established because I mean, he, he does have, you know, pretty, I I don't want to say like elite elite. He's not Jalen Waddle, but he's fast. He's got speed that that shows up on the film. So uh, yeah, just another weapon, which, which certainly helps. I said that you brought up Jalen Waddle. I said this earlier today on a different show and, I, frankly, I may have stolen it from somebody in our game comments, but I he reminded me a little bit of Jeremy Macklin. Like, that's the last guy I saw play on Furrow Field that, that looked like that. And, 
A couple of those. I mean, that play he made down the middle between double coverage and absolutely got blasted. I forget if it was by uh, Bledsoe or Gillespie, but uh, yeah, I think it was you Gillespie. can't teach yeah. that. You know, that was no. He was unbelievable. Yeah, he's. I mean, he looks like a. You know, maybe the the first receiver off the board in the draft, and especially when you combine that with his special teams abilities, he's yeah. uh, he's special. Um, all right, John wants to know if you've done matchup analysis with Tennessee and what are the weaknesses. Mitch, you usually do that like like midday Friday, right? Yeah, That's yeah. I haven't really looked at it yet. I can tell you that, you know, their offensive line is looked at as a strong suit. Um, their 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 pass rush was really good last week. And according to our uh, rivals, Tennessee site, they uh, gave up a lot of completions over the middle, um, which – Missouri, you know, has some guys that, that hopefully should be able to work that area of the field, but that's pretty surface level. I'll, I'll dive more into that uh, tomorrow and, and have it on the site Friday. Uh, Jacob says Tennessee didn't look much better than South Carolina. Are they as good as their ranking? Was it just a bad game for them? Good game for South Carolina. How big an upset if Mizzou wins? Um, so, I mean, is, are they as good as their ranking? It kind of depends on what week we're ranking. Right. I mean, <laughs> some weeks Big Ten teams can't be voted for. Then they can be. I mean, Kentucky last week fell from like 16 to unranked simply by losing a fairly competitive game against Auburn. There was actually a team who won last week and fell seven spots out of the rankings because the rankings are just made up this year. They're all look, they're right. always made up, but they're especially mm, yeah. made up this I think year. That- um, I hope I, that's one of like my hopes for this season is that this just gets everyone to stop paying attention to the rankings before the college football playoff top 25. I, I comes mean, out. Look, there is a thread on our board about that has like 40 replies about bowl predictions. Like all you have to do <laughs> to get people to read your crap these days is just publish a list or a prediction and everybody's going to read it. I, I mean, we're talking bowl predictions when like, 50 teams haven't even played a game. I don't know how you're – and everyone – literally everyone is eligible. So you know what's going to happen this year? Nebraska is going to go 2-6, and six, and they're going to get invited to, like, the freaking Holiday Bowl because those people want to get the hell out of Lincoln in mid-December, and they will go to San Diego in hordes, and so the Holiday Bowl will make money. So bowl predictions are yeah. stupid. Polls are stupid. But the point remains <laughs> – was last week a, a bad game for Tennessee or a good game for South Carolina? Now, look, truth be told, and I've said this a hundred times, you guys see more college football than we do. That game was played at the same time as Missouri. So while you're probably flipping channels a little bit and maybe watching a game cast and doing stuff with that Tennessee game, Mitch and I saw zero plays of it. I, I know I looked at the box score on Sunday morning. And it was a very even game. Like, you could not tell by looking at the stats who won the game. Tennessee had had three or four sacks, and they had a pick six. And, and I think that was really the difference. But I, I think week one, I, I don't know if I can say it was good or bad for either team because I don't think we really know what either team is yet. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, yeah, we don't, we just don't know. I don't know how good South Carolina is. You know, I mean, they were good enough to play a lot of teams close last season. Um, you know, they almost beat Florida, I believe. Um, so among other teams, yeah, I think, you know, I think it's easy to say maybe Tennessee's a little overrated. They, that they're one of those programs that seems to, to win the off season more often than they win the regular season, you know, with the recruiting, I will say this though. Um, I mean, winning seven straight games is hard to do, and there is something to be said for that. Um, you know, I mean, just kind of having having a team that knows how to pull a game out, that that is, 
you know, helpful when you get into close games. And I think that a lot of these, you know, middle tier SEC teams, you're talking, you know, South Carolina, the Mississippi schools, Kentucky, you know, throw Mizzou in there. They're, they're probably going to play games that are, you know, within two scores. So being able to not make that, that costly play, you know, if you have that established, that could help. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, so Tennessee, does, do they deserve to be number 21? No. Do they deserve to be favored over Missouri at this point based on what we've seen? I'd say so. And last I saw it was somewhere between 10 and 12. But but tell me what you think about this. 2009, so last year's Tennessee is 2018 Missouri. They they finished on a, uh, a six-game winning streak. They beat absolutely no one any good. I mean, all yeah. they did is beat bad teams, right? And But – the dirty secret about playing major college football, even in the big, bad SEC, which they can't tell you enough how good it is, all you got to do to win seven or eight games a year is beat bad teams. You know? I oh, mean, yeah. You beat three or four bad teams in the non-conference. You beat the, the crappy bottom feeders in your own league, and you're at seven and five. All you got to do is win mm-hmm. one swing game. You know, you're you're an eight and four team going to beat Big Bad Indiana in the Music City Bowl, which is what Tennessee <laughs> did last year. Now, that does not mean, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, that does not mean Tennessee's not good this year, right? Just because uh-huh. 2019 Tennessee was 2018 Missouri does not mean 2020 Tennessee is 2019 Missouri. They they might be they right. might be a very good team this year. They might manage to take that momentum. But the truth is, if you look back at the second half of Tennessee season, if you look at this seven-game win streak, What's impressive? What, what do you look at and say, yeah, that's that's really – I mean, they threw for 420 yards against Missouri last year and scored 24 points. Yeah. And had to kind of hang on to beat a bad Missouri team. So, I don't know. We'll see. Um, you know, again, Tennessee may be a really good team this year, uh, but, but I'm not quite sold on it yet. But they do, again, deserve to be probably a 10-point favorite over Mizzou. All right, uh, Andy, not a current Mizzou topic, but if there's time, Alden Smith's resurgence, still a stud. What kind of career could he have had if not for the off-field setbacks? I mean, I've said two things about it. And first of all, I want to say good for Alden, man. It's great. Good for him. In all seriousness, I hope this is real. I hope he stays clean. I hope he stays on the football field and, and becomes a superstar again, which he are like he was tracking hall of fame the first three years of his career and uh but alden smith's resurgence proves i i think two things first of all it proves just how freakishly athletic he is i I mean beyond any obviously even beyond any nfl football player and it also proves if you are that freakishly athletic how many chances you are going to get to go play a game? I mean, you know, like I'm not trashing the kid, but given that background and look, I understand addiction. I'm not, I'm not blaming him. I'm not shaming him at all, but many, many people don't get that many chances at a job. If they have Alden Smith's chat, Alden Smith's past. Yeah, I think you, yeah, you pretty much summed it up. I mean, obviously, uh, obviously he's, you know, just in terms of talent, he's, I mean, he's, he's just been one of the more talented defensive ends we've seen in the NFL over the past decade, you know, in the top, probably 10 to 20. Um, uh, yeah, 
I'm happy for him as well. I think it's a cool story. Um, yeah, it is remarkable that, I mean, to, to come back and play after, I think it's been like five years since he played a game. So yeah. good for him. Hope he keeps it up. Um, it, that's yeah. You covered it pretty well. Yeah. It's the kind of thing, honestly, they make movies about. I mean, they made, you know, that 30 yeah. for 30 on Marcus Dupree, uh, really similar right. deal. Marcus Dupree ripped up his knee when ripping up your knee was, you know, one of the, uh, it was almost a career ender to be quite honest. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, came back and actually made it to the NFL, you know, which is uh, pretty impressive. But, uh, yeah, good for Alden. Glad to see it. I remember seeing him as a true freshman, and he had uh, clearinghouse issues because you saw him in fall camp, and you were like, oh, my God, this kid's an absolute freak show. And then he had clearinghouse issues. He had to go home for a couple weeks. Didn't end up playing as a true freshman, but but you knew everything was there. So, um all right, let's see. Um, okay, Keegan, yes, the former employee rule still applies for now because I like the question. Like, if you ask a crappy question, we're not going to use it, Keegan, but th this is a solid question. Which program do you both think is the most consistently overrated? Tennessee, Texas A&M, Texas, or Nebraska? Mitch, I'm going to let you take this one first because I most definitely have my answer. Well, um, probably Texas A&M because they're actually they're talked about as like a, a national champion caliber every year, which is just it's it, I mean, they've never even been close Nin at 19, the same time. 1938, though, I mean, Mitch, 1938 national champion. <laughs> yeah. At the same time, though, I mean, Nebraska has been like awful like they've been in, you know, they haven't been the same level of preseason hype as Texas A&M, but they might've been further away. So like A&M has had more hype and probably a bigger disappointment just in that. Like, it's like, you know, Oh, we worth dropping a billion dollars into paying for this, this, and this giving Jimbo a 10 year contract and, you know, nothing to show for it so far, but I'm going to go with Nebraska just because like they not only have they not been top 25 good, they've been irrelevant. I mean, they've been, other than when they're throwing yeah. fits, like they've been a sub 500 program. They've been, you know, just bad. So that's my answer. Yeah. Um, Nebraska and Tennessee are the same program. Like they're, they're the same thing, <laughs> except Nebraska's past is a little more recent and a little better than Tennessee, but it's the same program. It's the same fan base. I just call Tennessee SEC, Nebraska, or call Nebraska <laughs> big 10, Tennessee, whatever. It's the same thing. Um, Texas, like, look, there is no better college football soundbite to just drop in places than Joe Tessitore screaming Texas is back. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's the greatest thing in the history of college football. They are most definitively not back after giving up 56 points to Texas Tech, which snuck past Houston Baptist the week before they played. But the most overrated program in college football is Texas A&M. I mean, they just... Those other teams have won national titles, and they've all done it in the last 25 years. Texas A&M, they won a national title in 1938 with John David Crow. <laughs> like, I mean, that's like, – come on, man. Like, no. That's – it's yeah. A&M, and it's not close. And they're yeah. – they were ranked, I don't know, 12 or something. And they beat Vandy 17 to 12. Every year they wind up in the top 10 somehow. It's, it's ridiculous. Insane. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. they're going to lose to Alabama this way. Watch. They'll go beat Alabama. And I have to pretend I like yeah. them on next Also, week, so. should, 
I should give Keegan shout out Keegan. Congrats on your engagement. Uh, oh. Meant to do that last week, but Keegan and Lauren engaged big time. Go there for them. Go. All right, moving Solid. on. Uh, all right, congratulations. I had no idea. Um, all right, yeah. what about David Dowell? You got any shout outs for him? Uh, no, I don't know who that is. Sorry, David. <laughs> well, he's our next comment. Uh, he does have a fishing picture. You guys might hang out. You might be friends. Uh, really, drinks post game. He seemed relatively happy with the offensive line compared to what everyone else seemed to think. Uh, what are your thoughts? I I don't know if he was happy with how they played as much as he was happy with how they competed. I mean, the offensive line last week can be summed up by the best ability is availability, right? I, we don't know if that's the starting line. That's the guys he had. <laughs> Yeah, uh, to me, the, Drinkwitz's post-game comments about the offensive line showed me that he was not like trying to downplay it during camp. He was like terrified that that unit might get everyone killed on Saturday. I mean, you know, first of all, you know, he brought it up every time we talked to him. Like, yeah, the offensive line. I'm not sure. And then in the pre- teleconference before the game, like he had a chance to like talk good about this transfer kid who just came in and was going to start at left tackle, and he was like. Uh, all I can really say about him is he's been healthy. <laughs> like it was like, Ooh, okay, I guess this might be bad. And then he didn't, you know, really throw any downfield passes. I, I think, I think that offensive line exceeded expectations just by like not holding every play or getting someone murdered. Um, I, I and I'm not trying to say they were terrible cause they weren't, right. um, you know, they, they did a decent job blocking on the interior for Roundtree. Um, and, and, you know, at least one or two of the sacks, were I mean Sean Robinson had some time he just held on to the ball too long so yeah I I don't I'm not trying to say that it's terrible but I also think that Drinkwitz's optimism was more like yeah we we didn't have everyone we thought we were gonna have we've had some some opt outs some season ending injuries and I was actually really worried yeah uh so yeah we can confirm nobody got murdered I on that subject <laughs> I I may or may not. Uh, early third quarter have texted some friends on Monday night and said, uh, Baltimore PD, I would like to report a murder. And then it looked like I might have to regret that uh, a little bit later, but, uh, fortunately, (laughs) I I mean, the, the corpse survived, but, uh, but it wasn't pretty. So, okay. Uh, as for now, this is, this is our last question. Uh, if, if you got more, feel free to hit us up. We'll, we'll stick around if, if there's more, but it appears Trajan Jeff coat and Trey Williams at least got to the quarterback on Saturday because we should all draw conclusions after the first game. Can they do enough this year to really help this defense? Um, so I had, I had two thoughts on Saturday. Good for Trajan Jeff coat. Very impressive, uh, to do what he did after a year off, come back and game against Alabama, get a sack, all that. And also, I don't think it's great if your best pass rusher is a guy who hadn't been on a football field for two years. Uh, those were my yep. two thoughts. Those were my exact thoughts as well. I wrote that uh, at some point during the many things I wrote on Saturday. Uh, this yeah, would it's be kind a better a show if we deal. disagreed more. Yeah, it really would. We we end up we just we talk like a lot about these things. One of us has to be the, the outrageous Skip Bayless character on this show. You're right. I'll work on that. I'll work on that during the course of the week. I'll, although you had, a, you have, you've had better outrage than me at the points during this show. Like uh, your outrage, what was it about? I don't remember. A few minutes ago, you were outraged Texas about oh, the bull games and the bull The bull oh, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah. I think I mean Trey John Jeffcoat looked good. He looked promising. Um, but two things. One, um, he and Trey Williams actually play the same position, that new stand-up linebacker position. And I asked Ryan Walters today, and he said um, 
he's not willing to, to move those guys over, and it's not interchangeable between that position and the position that, that Chris Turner and uh, Isaiah McGuire were playing, where they were kind of invisible. Um, yeah. So that did, did you're I, not I ask this see... honestly? Did Isaiah McGuire play? Yeah, I think okay. he played like thirty snaps. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, I, I, I mean, well, yeah. that's yeah. that's not great. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway. <laughs> um, no, I really. Yeah, like, then, I just didn't notice him. Yeah. No, I, I, I understand. Yeah, he was the lowest graded PFF player. So okay. bummer for him. Hopefully he gets better. Um, but then, you know, Trey Williams, I, I just wasn't sold on after Saturday. And I, I mean, he's talented. He always has been. But he didn't really make a play in my mind, in the, especially in, the, in a, as a pass rusher until the starting tackle was out. So I, I forget his name. Alabama's starting tackle was out of the game. That's when Mizzou got their sacks. Um, so yeah, I, I think Trey John Jeffco will probably continue to play more, but I do think, you know, like I said, Ryan Walters knows more than me. He, he said, don't overreact, but I think the pass rush is a concern going forward. Absolutely. I, I agree. Okay. So we're going to wrap this up with, with two comments and questions that are kind of related. Mitch is not going to enjoy them. Well then, because sorry, they're not from Bob Martin or whoever you're big fan is he appears to have just hit and run and disappeared on the show uh but then we'll we'll run through the rest of the sec real quick so uh keegan was emboldened by your congratulations and asked um gabe do you take more joy in the broncos being oh and three or the chiefs being three and oh and mitch which do you dislike more i i mean i i'll be honest like i, I don't the the Broncos are just another team to me now. Like I hated them for so long. John Elway hated them. Peyton Manning hated them. But like the last few years, they haven't been good enough for me to hate. So I don't take any joy in them being zero and three. Um, you know, I don't know. Yeah, Mitch, you, oh, you, you kind of like them being zero and three because they're in the running for the number one pick. Well, I didn't think that this would be a team that needed to be in the running for the number one pick this year. That's the thing. Is this the first time I've had any semblance of expectations for the Broncos since the year they won the Super Bowl? You know, they they finally think they've got the, the franchise quarter, quarterback. They went out and spent some money uh, on the defense, spent some draft capital to get Drew Locke some weapons. And then, like, everyone got hurt. Everyone. I, the top four paid players uh, are all either on IR or have opted out. And that doesn't include the starting quarterback or the pro wide receiver it's a total disaster um at this point though it, it, you might as well keep losing i mean i gotta lose to the jets this week because otherwise you give them the inside yeah. track on trevor lawrence i mean i like drew lock but if if you get a chance to get the number one pick you might as well go for it if you i like i like trevor lawrence or someone else will pay a lot for him so if you manage over a 16 week nfl season to be worse than the new york jets are this year that is one hell of an achievement well like, the broncos are starting brett ripon so <laughs> what happened to jeff driscoll he's not good anymore no he's really bad okay. yeah he was never good he wasn't even good at florida brett ribbon also probably not good all right last question he's good at, Boise, at least last question for for gabe from jacob was monday night football patrick's shrug game i only throw this in because i came up with what i think is like i'm actually pretty proud of this analogy so all the lead up to the mahomes lamar jackson all that i actually uh texted sam mellinger i said his next column should just be a picture of mahomes and a picture of jackson and then the michael jordan meme uh that's when it became personal to me because that's what monday night was right that was that was mahomes going all right we're gonna let's have it let's have a chat about this that was his uh lamar jackson was his uh who was the guy that the poor guy that jordan got all pissed off at for like somehow disrespecting him even though it was completely made up uh 
Oh yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'll have to go back and watch the last I, dance. I didn't but watch no, the that, whole last dance. That was a. Uh, did you say you didn't watch it? I watched some of it. I didn't finish it. I should have, but I didn't. Well, I guess you were two when Jordan won his last title, so. Yeah. Eh, that's a shame. Um, all right, so we're going to finish this up by running through the SEC schedule this week. We're not going to make uh, Mizzou predictions yet because we do that on the site on Friday afternoon, but I'm going to put this uh, – I'm going to put our ticker up so you guys can kind of see the games and we'll roll through them. Um, South Carolina and Florida <sighs> – I don't know. Florida, I guess, is is Florida the best team in the East? Do we think that? Oh, I'm not ready to go there yet. I mean, probably, yes, if I, but I'm not ready to say that definitively. Georgia's getting JT Daniels now. They're, if he, you know, he, he should be better than whatever they had playing quarterback this past week. Um, Wait, and so I need to see did they play three quarterbacks Georgia. last week and he wasn't one of them? Yes, correct. He wasn't clear to play. Wow. Yeah. Did Jake so play that should last help week things. for them? Eric Zire, Aaron Murray. Yeah, I think I think it was Matt Stafford actually played. Actually, no, they probably would have been better with him. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, I mean, I just I gotta see Georgia, Florida beat Georgia at some point. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I, Florida would should win this game. The line is something ridiculous. At least last I saw, it's like, it's like twenty-two touchdowns. points, which is way too big. I think. I think it'll probably be closer than that. I think. Florida's defense still has a little bit of proving to do, but they should certainly beat South Carolina. Yeah. Um, the next game is Texas A&M and Alabama. We have already established that Texas A&M is overrated. Uh, Alabama, number two, maybe underrated? Properly rated, at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At the very least, they are the second best team in the country. But I, the gap between number one and number two in the SEC is equivalent to the gap between number two and what? Number seven? Um, well, yeah, because, I mean, I don't know who's number – I don't even know who's number two right now. Um, maybe Auburn, Auburn right now. Auburn Florida, uh, I would say. Yeah, I mean, it's like Alabama, and then there's a group there of, like, Auburn, Georgia, and Florida, and then there's a pretty big drop-off. I don't know. So it's probably then you get to two, like two, LSU, number, Kentucky, Mississippi it's State. Like number one and number two is to number two and number five. I'll say. How about that? Okay. That's fair. Yeah, I, I can I agree with that. Hard. All right. So uh, those are the first couple of games, Missouri and Tennessee, obviously also a morning game. And then next up in the afternoon, Ole Miss and Kentucky, um, two teams that just like they both lost. They both did some good things. I don't think I, Ole Miss's uniforms were really cool. Uh, they can't stop yeah. anybody. Tennessee. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, Kentucky has a really good defense. I don't know if they have any offense. No, I don't think you need any offense to score against Ole Miss. I think we could probably score against them. I mean, yeah, I think Ole Miss is a long way from being there. I think they've got some some rebuilding to do. I'll, I think Kentucky takes care of business in that one. Yeah, and then uh, I, I got to waste a couple seconds because I'm waiting for our ticker to roll back because I did not memorize the SEC schedule, so I have to see who plays after Ole Miss in Kentucky. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, Auburn and Georgia. Uh, I think this is actually the battle for, like, number 2A in the SEC. I mean, because yeah. Florida's going to well, be this in is a conversation. Big, but. Yeah, this is a huge game because both teams still have to play Alabama. Um, and, and obviously, you know, it's going to be hard to, you don't want to have two losses, especially right. if you're Georgia, if you have two losses, then you're, you know, you're, you're playing the, the West champion, probably Alabama again later. And that's that really if you beat Florida. Of getting in the playoff. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I, 
this is games. This game's really big, uh, just to to kind of keep playoff hopes alive. I mean, obviously, it's not really a playoff elimination game yet because you don't know what's going to happen. But the 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 winner will be in far far better shape than the loser. I haven't checked the bowl projections and seen which one of those teams is in the playoffs yet, but I'll, I'll let you know. Um, by just right, morning, cool. what's, what's going to happen? Uh, Arkansas, at Mississippi State. Um, I mean, clearly, Mike Leach's offense is never going to work in the SEC. Like it, yeah, it's just, obviously. it's just not going to happen. There's no way he's going to throw, have a guy throw for 623 yards in week one against the defending national champions. Uh, good luck, Barry Odom. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure Mississippi state will have a little bit of a hangover, but they should still be able to get it together enough to, you know, throw for 500 yards you know what? In, in that one. At the end of the year, when Arkansas is 0 10, they're always going to have that first half where they led Georgia. So it was exciting. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I was, I, I was kind of hoping Barry Adam would just go ahead and pitch a shutout. Oh, and just, 100%. That would have been I funny. Mean, that would be an all-time yeah. mic drop moment yeah. there. That would have been but. good. Uh, all right, so last game, LSU at Vanderbilt. Look, the only thought I have on this is it's a shame that fans can't go to this game because the last time LSU played at Vanderbilt two years ago, the stadium literally was sold out of beer. They had to yeah, call the beer drive. truck in to bring more. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the great college football moments really of all time. Um, I, I, I would have to say, even though LSU somebody, did not look great last to, Ross week. Dellinger needs to write a book about that. That would definitely, he would be the person to write it. No yeah. doubt. LSU and drinking. Yeah. Very much Ross's wheelhouse. Um, uh, LSU looked not very good last week. Vanderbilt looked a little better than expected. LSU still went in that game by three touchdowns. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Look, uh, second second show in the books. Uh, I think it largely like happened. It appears to have gone out on the internet. That's good. Mitchell That's always has, good. Mitchell has a headset <laughs> and a microphone and like. That's right. I'm professional now. Yeah, guys. This this is a damn professional operation. Uh, Saturday morning, nine fifteen. We're gonna do pregame. Uh, eleven a.m. kickoff. We're going to Skype Mitch in for the watch along this week because they are on the road. We're not traveling to road games this year. And then uh, post game at some point after that, fortunately it will be over before 1230 this week. So uh, yeah, thanks for joining us. Thanks once again to five, seven, three T's check them out. Five, seven, three T's that's T E E S.com. Again, go to the story on the front page of our website and uh, you can get a discount for being a Power Mizzou subscriber and finding out about them from Power Mizzou. Thanks to all you guys for uh, taking part. Uh, I don't know, Mitch, any uh, any parting words? Um, not really. Thanks for watching. Uh, I'm gonna go watch the NBA Finals. So. All right, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm just gonna uh, send us out here with a couple of these sound effects I learned. So. Oh yeah. All right. So uh, there's only like six of them. I'll use more next week. Thanks for watching. We'll see you.